I'm sure that this has already been a beautiful service, and I am so thankful for everyone who's been a part of it, all of our readers, our musicians, uh, for Matt and for Ben, for the children hanging Christmas on the tree, for everybody who's helped to bring an element in to decorate our sanctuary. Thank you so much. Uh, it is such a blessing for me as a pastor to know that we've got such great people who can take care of things, and I don't even have to worry about the fact that I can't be there on a big day like today. And so thank you to everybody. I truly love you and sure wish I could be there with you today. You know, Julie and I started to feel sick while we were in Disney World. We actually had a couple of free days worth of tickets to use at Disney World because my family and I were there when it shut down because of coronavirus in March, when the big lockdown came across the whole country. We were there and it cut our trip short two days. And so Disney comped us two tickets we had a year to use it, so we thought, hey, let's go on Thanksgiving week, and we'll enjoy uh, seeing the Christmas decorations. And so we were there when we started to feel sick and got home and realized we have coronavirus, and now we are locked down for two weeks. I think that you would call that trip back in March foreshadowing for what was going to happen to us uh, this past week. That's one of my favorite literary devices, by the way, is foreshadowing. I'm always intrigued when I'm reading a novel or I'm watching a movie or a TV show, uh, and it gives me a hint about something that's going to come later in the story. Uh, it helps to develop my expectations of what's to come, and, and I love that anticipation. It ignites my imagination. It heightens my senses. And whenever I get a sense of that kind of foreshadowing, I tend to pay a lot closer attention to the story. Because you know they're letting you in on something that's going to happen later. Well, the Bible is filled with all kinds of foreshadowing. And nothing gets me more excited as I study God's Word than to unexpectedly discover some new thing in the Old Testament that foreshadows the coming of Christ and God's redemptive plan that Jesus came to carry out. The prophecies that we've already heard read this morning uh, is, is a foreshadowing that occurs throughout the Old Testament. And they certainly are thrilling. The thrill of hope. The hope of, of a people walking in darkness. The hope of the dejected and the despised. The hope of the lost and the lonely. But it isn't just the Old Testament that's filled with these hints of what God is going to do through the coming of Jesus. Even the birth of Jesus himself points us toward the reason why he came. The manger helps set the stage for the cross and the empty tomb. Now, we've already heard from Luke chapter 2 a couple of times this morning. And so let's just recap that a little bit. The angels shared the good news of great joy with one of the lowest of classes in Jewish society at the time, shepherds. Now, these men tending sheep in Bethlehem, they were tasked with one of the most sacred responsibilities outside of the priesthood. They raised the lambs that would be slain in the temple, that would be offered up as sacrifices. Yet these very men were considered filthy, poor, uneducated, unwelcome. But it was to these lowly shepherds that the angels extended that first invitation to come and see Jesus, specifically to see where the Christ child lay as a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, at first, the shepherds were afraid. 
But then they obeyed the angels. They, they overcame their fear, and they went. They were curious to see what kind of child was special enough to warrant an angelic chorus to herald his birth, yet lowly enough to be attended to by shepherds and to be born not in a palace, but in a stable, wrapped in strips of cloth and laid in a manger as if he himself were a newborn lamb. And so they went, and they saw that it was just as the angels had said. And after seeing Jesus, they went to tell everyone about him. The recipients of the good news now became the heralds of this good news to others. And it was good news that would change everything. Now, with those details in mind and thinking about foreshadowing, let's jump ahead to Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 through 8. This is the resurrection of Jesus. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Once again, an angel shares good and joyous news with someone who's from another one of the low classes in Jewish society at the time. And that is women. Women were largely uneducated. Women couldn't hold, own land. Women uh, did not have the rights that, that they deserved, that they have today. And so uh, to appear to women was very similar to appearing to shepherds. And the angels appeared to these women and invited them to come and see where Jesus the Christ once laid in the tomb, but he was no longer there. He had risen. And like those shepherds 33 years before, the women's first response was fear mixed with joy. And it was followed by obedience. They went and they saw that it was just as the angels had told them, just as Jesus had promised them that it would be. He was no longer there. The tomb was empty. And those cloths that swaddled his body lay empty by themselves. The women had been the recipients of the most amazing news, and now they too become the heralds as they spread this news to the disciples that Jesus is alive. It was good news that changed everything. Now, one of those women was Mary from Magdala. And the Gospels tell us that she was delivered from seven demons by Jesus. Now, we can't imagine, I certainly can't imagine, what that must have been like for Mary. She was in a place darker than we could begin to comprehend. She must have been written off by everyone who knew her as a hopeless case. She must have felt herself as if she were beyond all help. But Jesus stepped into her life and did what no one else could do for her and delivered her from these demons. And then she watched as Jesus himself was delivered into the hands of sinful men and delivered unto death on a Roman cross. But standing in the garden 
that morning, by that empty tomb, at the feet of the risen Christ, Mary now understood that she was the deliverer, the first one to deliver the news that Jesus Christ is alive. That the Jesus who had come in Bethlehem and laid in a manger is the Jesus who died in Jerusalem and hung on a cross and who had been laid in a borrowed tomb. And he is the same Jesus who stood before her alive and would soon ascend to the Father to be at his right-hand side and make intercession for you and for me and to someday return and to fulfill all of the biblical prophecies and finish what he started. And make all things new. And wipe every tear from every eye. That is our hope. Jesus is the only hope that this world has. And it is a hope that we can offer to those in our lives and around the world who, like Mary, may seem hopeless. Who, like the shepherds, are misunderstood, unappreciated, and unwelcome. Who, like all of us who know Jesus once were, lost in our sins. Separated from a holy God, destined for an eternity without him. Jesus' deliverance unto death and his deliverance from death have made our deliverances possible. You can be delivered just as Mary was from whatever is in your past. Whatever hurt, whatever guilt, whatever shame, whatever bad habits, whatever hang-ups you might have. The sin that so easily ensnares you. Jesus can deliver you from that. And we can then deliver to others the good news that brings that thrill of hope. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach Unless they are sent. And then Paul quotes from Isaiah. As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those. Who bring good news. When you get good news. You welcome it. Those people are beautiful to you. Whatever means. By which that news comes to you. You give thanks for it. We. Have been tasked. With a great commission. To carry that kind of good news. To bring that thrill of hope to a world so desperately in need of it. If you're a Christian, you've already come to see and know Jesus. You are like those shepherds. You are like those women at the tomb. You've come. You've seen. You know Jesus. And now it's time for you to go and tell everyone the good news. The good news that when they hear it and believe it will change everything in their life. Who do you know today that needs to experience that thrill of hope that only Jesus can bring? You're the one sent to deliver that good news of great joy, which will be for all people. And I hope that you'll do that throughout this Advent season. When you see the Christmas trees and the lights up, when you see people out shopping and buying Christmas gifts, that's a, a, an open invitation to begin to help them understand the meaning behind this holiday, to begin to open that door to a gospel conversation. But maybe this morning, you are the one who needs to respond to the good news. You're like those shepherds. You're like Mary. You need to come to Jesus for the first time. You need to come and see. 
Let him deliver you from your past, your pain. He wants to give you a fresh start. He wants to wipe the slate clean for you and set you free to live a life of fullness, of abundance, to live a life that will never end. Turn from your sins this morning, I beg of you. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Surrender yourself to follow after him every day of your life. And the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you call on the name of the one who came, who lived a sinless life, who died a sinner's death on the Roman cross, a death that he didn't deserve, but you and I did. The Jesus who then rose from the dead, victorious, and is coming again, will you trust in him? He loves you, and he wants you to know him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this good news of great joy. It truly does bring a thrill of hope to a weary world. And Father, I pray for those right now that are listening, those who are in the sanctuary this morning who are weary. We're all weary of 2020. We're all weary of, of the state of our country and our world. We're weary of the things that we read and hear on the news. Many of us are weary of the things in our lives. Father, whoever this message is striking a chord with today, I pray that they would turn to you, the source of hope. They would cling to you, and they would discover that you are the God who is true to his word, who keeps his promise, and who truly fulfills our hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I encourage you now to come down front as Ben will be standing down at the altar. And I look forward to being back with you virtually next Sunday. God bless.